You're listening to Mind Your OT Business, a podcast to empower and equip occupational therapy practitioners and others to be savvy and successful entrepreneurs. I'm your host, the ever honest, always 100% real, Laura Park Figueroa. I'm the founder and owner of Outdoor Kids OT, a leader in the nature-based therapy movement, as well as a business coach for therapist entrepreneurs exclusively in my Business Better Ops group coaching program. I hope that what you hear on this podcast will empower you to take action, even when you feel a little bit afraid. So are you ready to take action? Let's jump in. Let's dive in. Okay. Today, we are looking at the Enneagram 3, the achiever in our Mind Your OT Business podcast series on the Enneagram and how it influences us as OT entrepreneurs. So if you are not familiar with the Enneagram, go back and listen to the intro episode for this series which I don't know at time of this recording what number that will be. So you can just go back. It'll be four episodes before this one. <laughs> and <laughs> we're, we're going through each of the different nine Enneagram types and talking about how these types influence us as OT entrepreneurs. So today I have Sydney Moore with me here on the podcast. She's the owner of Happy at Home Consulting in Des Moines, Iowa, which is so beautiful. We drove through Iowa on our recent cross-country move, and I was just blown away with how pretty Iowa is. Is. So anyway, okay, that's an aside. But um, Sydney's business offers PT, OT, and speech therapy for older adults. They also do home safety assessments and aging in place services. So welcome, Sydney. Thanks for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm very excited to talk about the Enneagram 3 and how it has influenced how you start and run your business. So I'm going to start by reading the description on the Enneagram Institute website. So this is enneagraminstitute.com backslash type hyphen three is where this information is from. You are the achiever, the success-oriented pragmatic type. I bet we have a lot of OT entrepreneurs listening who are this type. You're adaptable, excelling, driven, and image-conscious. Threes are self-assured, attractive, and charming. Oh, how sweet. Ambitious, competent, and energetic. They can also be status conscious and highly driven for advancement. They are diplomatic and poised, but can also be overly concerned with image and what others think of them. They typically have problems with workaholism and competitiveness. At their best, they are self-accepting, authentic, everything they seem to be, role models who inspire others. The basic fear of a three is being worthless. The basic desire is to feel valuable and worthwhile. And then with the wings, so if you haven't listened before, the wing of an Enneagram type is the number that is right next to it on this chart that they have. The Enneagram three with a two wing is someone who is an achiever, but also a helper. And they they call that the charmer on the website here. And then the Enneagram three with a four wing is a achiever who has the four is the individualist. So they're very creative and that is called the professional. So do you know, I, I, some people have been saying, Oh, I I don't have a wing. I'm not a wing. Do you resonate with either one of those? Or are you mostly a three? I think when I took the test, I was three wing two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The charmer. (laughs) 
such a great name (laughs) and great for a business owner. Honestly, like that helps you like build relationships with people. I think if you can, if you can be a charm, although charmer kind of has a, a, it has a a, weird undertone. Yeah. It has a weird undertone, right? Like it's like, you're trying to get one over on someone or something. And I don't, I don't think of it that way at all. It's maybe not the best, the best name. They do have it in quotes. Like it's just a little title they gave, but okay. So does that resonate? Does the description resonate with you? Like talk a little bit about how you felt as I was reading that. Yes. I think it resonates a lot. So just a background. So I took the Enneagram test back when my cousin's wife joined our family. So she is a mental health therapist. So she was just like curious on where everyone fell on the Enneagrams, which I thought was really interesting too. But I think in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. Because mm-hmm. literally when I was in high school, I, as a freshman in high school, I was so worried about my GPA. Yeah. I remember my family still makes fun of me for this, but I <laughs> literally cried the day that I got like a 92.5% in the class. And that was the mm. cutoff for a perfect day. Wow. Yeah. It wasn't that big of a deal. Right. Now. I mean, it's not now, but then it was like a huge deal because at that point I was really thinking I'd be in medicine and thinking that Mm -hmm. that was everything. Yeah. And it's your identity, right? When you're a three, your identity is tied up in what you do and achieving, right? Yes. Right. Right. And at that time, I feel like in high school, high school is your entire world. Whereas now it's now school is not your entire world. Right. 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 You can take classes and that's just like a piece. We have other roles and occupations that we fulfill. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how your Enneagram three-ness, I haven't found a good way to say this on all these interviews. I keep saying Enneagram three-ness like, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> or five-ness or whatever. Tell me about how that affects how you started or how you run your business or maybe both. Sure. So I started my business basically feeling burnt out as a new grad. I, which is like really, um, it was a hard place to be in being that you just finished school and you're like, okay, this is not everything I dreamed it would be. Yeah. A lot of like ethical pieces were going on in the facility I was working at. And I felt like maybe looking back that I was not achieving up to my threeness because <laughs> of other factors that I couldn't control. Yeah. So I started my business and that was one of the big things I had to get over is that my business was not instantly successful. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cause it takes work, right? It takes yeah. a lot of work to get a successful business, a profitable business off the ground. So tell, tell us a little bit about that. Right. So I started my business back in March of 2020 and oh, perfect timing to start. Yes. A business. Yes. Perfect timing. And again, the threeness, like Hey, can you consider that you're starting a business in a pandemic and it's not going to be an overnight success? Yeah. Nope. (laughs) But I worked really hard building the network of my folks that would potentially refer to me, which is where maybe the two comes out. Interesting. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that a lot as I've grown my business, but just acclimating to that feeling that it's not going to be an overnight success and that even though it's not successful in my eyes, it's still moving towards success. Yeah. Because I think as a three, sometimes if things aren't immediately successful, I'm like, okay, dropping, quitting. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got to find the thing that'll give me the quick win. Right. Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's just honor this though, that you've only been in business for just over a year, all of which was during a global pandemic, 
which only happens like every hundred something years. So you can give yourself a little bit of grace, I think, as a three, knowing that like this is probably one of the most challenging times to start a business. Unless you were starting like a face mask producing business, that might have been a great business to start in March of 2020. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. So you've talked a little bit about it, but I'm wondering... As you run your business, what do you feel like is your biggest challenge as an Enneagram three? You've spoken um, little yeah. about, about things, but I'm wondering if there's anything else you want to add. I would say going back to feeling like I have to keep plodding on, even though it doesn't feel successful quite yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that workaholism is super prevalent throughout my day today. So I think in just the past month, I've had to take a really hard look at how I'm kind of scheduling out my time and how I can maintain my work-life balance. Yeah. Um, particularly because I don't have kids yet. It's really hard to make time for like family and friends and things. Yeah. When it's like kids are just such a good reason and people understand that. But it's yeah. like when I don't want to work, like I shouldn't have to. You know what right. I mean? Right. Exactly. Right. So I've run into this where I have a lot of PRN jobs that I'm like, I'm sorry, I just can't because I'm already full with my own business. Right. And part of me feels really guilty about that. Like, Hmm. oh, well, you have time at night. Like you could go do an eval at 4.30. Like who wants to do that? (laughs) No one one wants to do that after a whole work day. No. Yeah. Right. Maybe if you took the whole day off. Yeah. Right. But. Right. So that workaholic piece comes out a lot. And I mean, even just last night, I was working until 1030. Yeah. It's just, it's one of the habits that I have to get kind of get out of as a three, cause that's not sustainable. Yeah. Do you notice? Cause it's interesting. Cause I, I, I mean, I read the three, my husband actually is like, you're a three to me all the time. I'm like, I'm not a three. I never test a three. Like, but I think I, this, and this is, I love this about the Enneagram too, that in every single number, it's just so human right? There's, there's mm-hmm. something in every number that every person listening to this podcast or that, that reads a book about the Enneagram, there's something in every single number that every single other person in the world can relate to. And I do think one of the things with the three is that I would go so far as to say most of us, because it's kind of a evolutionary biology kind of thing. Most of us are concerned what others think of us. Mm-hmm. Like, on some level. And, and maybe there's some people who are fully enlightened and who don't care at all. But I think in general, people are concerned what other people think of them. And it's one reason why we have a hard time as OT entrepreneurs and, or, or therapist entrepreneurs, I always say OT, but I know there's other people that listen to the podcast. So I feel like I want to be inclusive, but, but I'll speak specifically to OT here because I think a lot of times we have an inferiority complex. And so it makes it very hard for us to put ourselves out there because there's a little bit of fear around that. And what will people think if I'm putting myself out there as an expert quote unquote on something, if I'm running my own business. And so I do think that that piece of the three is something that everyone in the world probably has struggled with at some point in time. I mean, everyone has been a middle schooler. Okay. So (laughs) (laughs) we all in middle school were concerned with people thought of us, but has that influenced you at all? Like that, that concern about like what other people think, is that something that you, that resonates with you? Yeah. I honestly, every time that you talk about the inferiority complex, Mm -hmm. it's like, uh, yeah, that's me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I had an example the other day of, I have built a really great relationship with a DME provider here in town Mm -hmm. who referred one of his family members to me. 
And before we, you know, got started, we talked about the billing process because I'm hybrid. I bill insurance and cash. Okay. And so we talked about, okay, I I'm hoping that insurance will cover it, but if not here, my cash rates. Yeah. And he was like, okay, that shouldn't be a problem. And honestly, sweetest gal, like easiest patient. My main recommendation for her was just to turn her shower chair. Yeah. Like literally you're, like, you're doing great. Degrees. Yeah. Right. <laughs> just turn it. And then when I went back to see the DME provider, he was like, yep, I guess sometimes we just need to pay $90 just to turn a shower chair. Yeah. <laughs> and at that moment I was like, gosh, that, that feels really expensive. Hmm. Like maybe my cash rates are too expensive, but at the same time, they didn't think of that. She has four right. children and nobody thought of that. Right. So it's a two, it's a two way street of, you know, we have to consider, you know, what's feasible and plausible for a lot of families, but also knowing that we are worthwhile. Yeah. And what's the cost of prevention, right? Like what right. would the cost have been if she had not turned her sh- I mean, I don't know. Cause I don't know the setup and I am so not a DME home mod person like that. I'm like, that was 20 years ago in OT school that I learned that. So, um, but you know, what's the, what's the cost of, like, I think helping people I'm going into business mode now away from the Enneagram, but helping people see the value of what we offer as being preventative, because what would the cost be had she fallen and broken her hip and ended up in the hospital, you know, or, or whatever, whatever other horrible thing could have happened. Yeah. 90 bucks. But like, and if you're only charging 90 bucks for a home visit, like, I don't think that's expensive at all. Right. I think, I mean, you have a doctorate degree, like you could be charging way more than that even. So I don't think that that's, you know, when people say things like that, I think it really, it hits home because it is something that OTs struggle with, like owning Mm -hmm. our value and our worth. And I think we have to do the hard work of thinking through like the mindset issues and, and having our internal dialogue rock solid so that we don't get kind of tempted to lower our rates or something, <laughs> you know, like, yes, no, like knowing ourselves, but. Well, and I yeah. think that's something we talk about in OT school of, you always have to explain what our profession is and really advocate for our profession. Yeah. But we don't talk about that internal dialogue of what happens when you feel like your profession isn't enough. Yeah. We don't talk about it. And I, de- I definitely think that it's something as entrepreneurs that we come up against way more than we would mm-hmm. in a role in an employer employee type situation where we're working in a job where we're paid regardless. Right. Right. Because it doesn't really, it doesn't really land on us. The responsibility doesn't really land on us the same way as if we run our own businesses to be able to explain our value and own our worth as as a service or whatever, a product, whatever we're offering, you know, like whatever need we're meeting for, for our customers. So, okay. So I'm forgetting which question I haven't ask. So I asked the good, the question about like what your biggest strengths are. Did I ask you about your challenges? Yes. I did two yes. of these in a row now. And now I'm like, wait, who did I ask what? <laughs> okay. So the last question, which I will be so interested to hear from you. The last question I've been asking everyone is what do you dream about for your business? So as you have driven through Iowa now, you know that a lot of it is rural, mm-hmm. right? And when we were looking as an advocacy group of the Occupational Therapy Association of Iowa, there Mm. is not an OTR that covers every single county in Iowa. Yeah. Wow. Right. There's a business right there. Right. So I think a lot of why I founded my business is based on the experiences that we had with my grandma aging. 
And um, that's a lot of why I started and what I dream of is making sure that no one else's Nana has to go without services Yeah, just because they live in rural Iowa because that's where their entire family's from, from the 1850s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and they've just stayed there forever. Right. Like it's right. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of my dream is to improve access to all Iowans, regardless mm. of location. Mm-hmm. I love it. I have two questions that are sort of businessy because you've mentioned things. So do you have a, do you have the thought about how you would do that? Like, are you going to use telehealth? Are you going to drive? Are you going, how would you, what do you envision in your mind for that? I mean, it may be loosely or not loosely even mapped out yet. Um, <laughs> what do you I think a little bit of both. I think if telehealth continues to be improved, I think telehealth is a really great option. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes telehealth isn't always feasible for older adults. Yeah. Uh, and I found what with I was telehealth, thinking. yeah, with telehealth itself, a lot of the times we're relying on adult children to kind of mediate that process. Yeah. And there's already kind of a divide sometimes between adult children and older adults. Hmm, interesting. There's, a, there's inconsistencies of, hey, I don't think mom and dad is safe at home. Mom and dad are like, I'm cool. I'm fine. All is well. Yeah. So for some reason, you know, I don't always feel comfortable having telehealth services because I feel like it worsens that divide. Interesting. Yeah. That's a good perspective. Not with everyone, but at times it does. Yeah. But also I think it can be really helpful and kind of reassuring adult children that things are going okay. Mm-hmm. This is not an immediate danger situation. Right. Okay. For now. Yeah. Uh, Cause I I'd imagine some of those rural areas don't even have broadband, like they don't have internet access very well, you know? So, mm-hmm. and that's that one so of the interesting. things that as a state, I I believe we were trying to work on, but yeah, to be determined. <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, and then once it's there, it's like, can the people use it? Can they log mm-hmm. on? Can they, I mean, there's all the technology mm-hmm. stuff that's very foreign. I think for us that, well, you're way younger than me, but like for me, I'm like probably I'm in that generation that like, we did not have cell phones. My first cell phone, I got my first cell phone when I was 22, I want to say 21 maybe. And I, I joke all the time to my kids like you guys, I drove from St. Louis, Missouri, all the way to San Francisco. When I moved there by myself in a two door, 10 year old car with all my stuff packed inside with no cell phone in the car with me. I didn't have a phone. I didn't even have one of those giant car phones where you could call in case of emergency. I had no phone and I was by myself driving across the country to move after college. So it's like that life even more is like, what people in rural Iowa that are older are like, it's so, it's so not in their way of thinking to use technology. So I hear you that telehealth is not maybe always the the answer. I think we tend to go there as younger people, but like, it's not always the answer. Okay. And then my other question that I wanted you to share your wisdom on, which is sort of related to the Enneagram a bit because of that wing you have, that's the helper too, the number two, the helper. Can you give people any advice about how to form good relationships with referral sources? Because I think this is something a lot of people struggle with. And you mentioned that you were good at that, that you enjoyed doing that, that you did a good job doing that. So I'm wondering if you could share some of your wisdom there just as a random bonus question for all the listeners here. (laughs) Yeah. So honestly, this is probably one of the best perks of starting a business during a pandemic is that all of the networking was via Zoom. And I thoroughly appreciate that. 
You don't have to drive around. Yeah. You don't have to drive around. And there's just something more casual about meeting on Zoom versus in person. It's less mm. of that, like, uh, like, yeah. what are people going to think of me? I, I don't know. So that, that's been really nice to just set up like quick Zoom, brief, get to know you sessions with people. And the thing that I found most helpful is I have a free webinar series on my Facebook page. And then I also um, have a piece of it on my website. I haven't completely gotten it over to the website, but that's how I kind of get to know people better and form those relationships of, Mm. Hey, I really value your service. And I think a lot of people would appreciate knowing more about it. Would you be available to um, jump on my webinar series at, at any point? Okay. So this is great. So you, you basically created an educational webinar series for your ideal client, for the, for the mm-hmm. clients that you serve, yes. but you invited other local practitioners to be in on the webinar series. Mm-hmm. That is genius. Yes. That is totally genius because you are basically saying like, we're complimentary businesses. We may have the same client. Let me elevate you as an expert. You can share some of your wisdom and it's free marketing for them. Mm-hmm. which is very different than going to, I always use the example of a, like a pediatrician's office for a peds OT. Cause I'm a peds OT like, and bringing cookies and saying, here's my business card and some cookies and send people to my practice. Like not really meeting a need of the pediatrician. Right. Right. But your method is like amazing. That's like elevating them as an expert, serving your ideal client together. You look great because you're the one hosting them and celebrating them. I just love it. That's a fabulous idea. Yeah. And I think it's also just helped me to serve my clients better because there are so many myths about aging and the process of like moving out of your house, qualifying for Medicaid. That was our Mm. most recent one. So just educating myself too, of there is a five-year look back. So maybe you shouldn't be giving out hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars to your children every Mm. year just to spend down. You know, some of those pieces have been really helpful, especially when people are hesitant to get started with other services Mm. of just like, hey, I don't know a lot, but I know a little bit that this could be um, poor in the future. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is so great. I love that idea. Thank you for sharing that. That was like worth people listening to 20 or 30 minutes of the podcast. (laughs) I may have to re-record an intro and be like, wait till the end. She shares a really good tip for getting referrals. (laughs) Well, thank you, Sydney. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And I'm going to, I'm going to sign us off now and tell people the same thing I say every episode, because I believe it to be true. Take a small step by finding a referral source and like setting up some collaborative thing together. That is a great idea. So take a small step because small steps make great gains over time until next time. Mind your OT business.